Welcome to the Motivation Movement. This eight-part series will take place over the next four weeks and is designed to bring you high-level conversations about what it actually looks like to embody advanced energetics in your life and business. Join me as I explore the concept of motivation, alignment, and momentum with my team and a panel of incredibly embodied individuals who are living what they teach. These conversations are the definition of noteworthy, so please grab a pen, grab a notebook, make yourself comfortable, and let's get lost in this conversation together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Energetics of Everything podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Randy Lee, a fellow 6'2". She is a sacral generator, and she and I, I think we met and first connected on your podcast, actually. We had a conversation about human design, what, two and a half years ago at this point? (laughs) It was a while ago, like maybe even three years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was like two and a half, maybe three years ago. She was in the first round of my human design certification program, and it's just been so incredible to witness you really, really dive into specifically the gene keys. I think that you have gone way deeper in the gene keys than I have. And I have learned so much from your evolution. And it's been really amazing to be able to have you in my world and be able to watch six twos who are on the roof and who are also involved in work like this. So today we're going to talk about your desire, motivation and whatever else comes up, but welcome. Thank you for being here. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Yeah. I guess we can just jump right into it. How has your desire motivation shown up for you? Or actually let's start with what is your understanding of the desire motivation? Describe it from your six to actually experiencing desire motivation perspective for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think to really understand my desire motivation, you have to understand my view because it's through my view that I actually then can be motivated Mm -hmm. like from my desire motivation. So I actually also have a third color in my view. I have power motivation. That's about, you know, really seeing the power dynamics, seeing who's up, who's down, who's winning, who's losing, seeing what's not working seeing where we're putting our time and energy that's not actually where we should be putting our time and energy. It's really this energy of change. If you think about the third line, this is the the transitionary point from the lower trigram to the upper trigram. These third colors in view and motivation, they're deeply connected to that third line. So it's really about change, about adaptation, about evolving and about leading the collective forward. My trajectory is as a leader. When I see through this view of what's not working, who's winning, who's losing, where we shouldn't be putting our energy, I'm then motivated to create this change, to actually get involved. That's what the desire is all about. It's like, I have this desire to create change. Mm -hmm. I have this desire to help the collective move forward in a way that I see is really in service for the collective, for all of us, instead of just creating hierarchies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. 
Something that I've also seen, I love that you mentioned view and that power view. Something that I've seen with people who have that power view is also this just intuitive ability to see when people are taking action from a space of empowerment versus disempowerment. So it's also the power dynamics that they're experiencing internally and almost like the story that they're telling themselves about the power that they do or do not have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Really helping people take back their power. You know, when I see also that other people see me as a leader, see that power that also tells me that this is something that's aligned for me, that this is something Mm -hmm. for me to take action on. The transference is the personal view and the innocence motivation and being a six line being, I also deeply have a resonance with that. I'm on the roof here and I don't want to get involved a lot of times. I really don't. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Let me just be in this innocence, this play. I don't need to get involved. I'm just in my personal experience. But when I'm there, I can't really get to my true motivation. It's not a bad thing, but it's just a distraction. Sometimes mm-hmm. I need those distractions, but it's important for me to see when I'm there. And I think that's can be a challenge as a six line naturally as somebody right now who, like I said, doesn't want to get involved. It's Mm -hmm. like, when do I get involved? When do I actually know that it's something that's in alignment for me to take action on? I also have action that's my- um, Your sense. What is it called there? My sense. Yeah, your chart pulled up. So I have my sheet sheet here. (laughs) My sense there is action. And so it's like, when do I take that action? When do I actually then know when to take action? I think a lot of times it's knowing when I'm seen as a leader, when Mm -hmm. I'm recognized as a leader, then I'm motivated to take that action, to get involved, to create the change. Yeah, I love that. Can you tell me a story about a time when you found yourself in those transferred view and motivation, that personal transference and that innocence transference? I just love these dynamics because it's a transfer for you, but then there's another group of people where that's actually their true motivation and their true view. I just love exploring. I love exploring that spectrum and that dynamic and just seeing what does that actually look like read about it all day but what does it look like and what does it feel like when you're in that innocence motivation and that personal view yeah the personal view it just feels like getting just caught up in my own story in my Mm -hmm. own what's going on for me and really seeing things through my own lens then that motivation it's like okay well there's not really any motivation the innocence it's kind of like the anti-motivation I can see myself just, especially right now, I'm kind of like in this place where I'm going back and forth between these two, where I'm at in my life. Cause there's this almost void sense where Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm just doing things out of, it brings me joy. It brings me pleasure, but there's not any motivation for it to go anywhere. It's innocent, but it's play. I think that's also, like I said, it's the part of it is actually healthy for me. Mm -hmm. I think getting out of that right or wrong, it's like, I kind of need some of that balance to then have that natural distraction to then be like, okay, what's actually in alignment for me to actually get involved with? Mm -hmm. Like I said, it feels like just 
doing things out of pleasure, doing things just because it's fun. I enjoy it. There's no necessarily agenda attached to it. And I think, again, it's okay for me to go through these personal experiences and then to want to share my personal experiences. But when I do it from an aligned place, I actually have an agenda. I'm sharing this because I want to create an impact because I want to create change because Mm -hmm. I see that there's something that's not working. When I do that, I feel that power that actually goes into that versus Mm -hmm. when I'm just like, okay, we're just having fun. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's not that true cognitive potential where Mm -hmm. I see my truest self, all of these parts of my design, it truly comes through when I'm motivated to create a change, to go first, but because there is an agenda to be a leader. And I think that's been the biggest thing is knowing it's okay for me to have an agenda. Yeah. Because that's my leader trajectory is like, I want to, I desire to be a leader. I desire to create change. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I'm just curious how you think that your desire motivation shows up with your ego center being defined. And I'm curious if there's been any moments where it's been ego driven and not desire driven, because I feel like those are very similar frequencies and they deal with some. Yeah. I mean, there's so many like conundrums (laughs) in my chart when it comes to this, because my life's work, my conscious son is in 54. The shadow is greed. Yeah. And like a lot of times I thought desire I thought it was attached to this greed and I actually shut down desires for such a long time because I didn't want to appear as greedy. Yeah. So it was like when I discovered that, that life's work, that shadow of greed, I was like, have to get rid of this. I got to shut this down. (laughs) Nobody can know. I can't ever appear as greedy. And that's actually the repressive nature. I went from this reactive nature of totally being driven by the material plane, you know, and solely for myself, just for myself and my own personal gain. It wasn't the spiritual evolution, which is really what I see the gift in the city of 54, Mm -hmm. that aspiration and that ascension. It's really like this desire to rise up to something greater than just yeah. the material plane. Oh yeah. You know, I would go from those two poles of being just super greedy and then being unambitious. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to shut it down because th- that other side I've seen through my power view, I've seen how it makes me emotional. I've seen the harm that it can do in the world, how it's created these hierarchies where there's so many people in the world that don't have. And and why is that when we have more than enough? Mm -hmm. Why is that? I shut that down because it was like, I don't want to be that. Yeah. That was again, being in the innocence. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just not going to get involved. I'm separate from it. That's not me. Mm -hmm. But then there was still this desire within me. Yeah. So it was like allowing myself again to feel safe, that it was okay for me to desire these things. And a lot of it has been around doing my own shadow work to know that when I desire things now, it's coming from an open-hearted place. Mm -hmm. And I've seen what I can do 
with so little that it's like, what can I do now from this place of desiring more so that I can create change? Mm -hmm. Because I can't create change when I'm not actually wanting to get involved, when I'm thinking that money's bad, that desiring these things are bad, all of that. How am I going to create change? Yeah. I can't. That's then the process for me is how do I desire these things from an open-hearted place, from a place that's not, like you said, from like the shadow of the ego, but really from this, what I see as like the higher, the higher frequency of the ego, which is communion, which is bringing support for not just the self, but for the tribe, for everyone, dissolving these hierarchies and moving into synarchy. Yeah. Very tribal ego circuitry. Very beautiful there. I have also gone pretty deep into 54. It's my pearl. So it's Mm, also a big deal. That (laughs) 54.3 is really fun. But when I realized a big shift for me, because pretty much last year and you were involved in the big launch of SSCC when we ran the 10 month program, it was to date pretty much the highest month that I've ever had. It was a really big shock to my system. As soon as I received all of that, there was this, I am not worthy of this. This is me being greedy. I should not have charged what I charged for this, even though I had people telling me this was the value of the container. And I completely, I shut it down. I was like, I can't be ambitious. I can't do that. I should make this self-paced. I made everything in my business smaller. My income reflected that. My confidence reflected that. My content reflected that because there was that shadow of, I'm afraid of appearing greedy, even though that program and that intention, it was coming from such an open-hearted space. It was coming from my pearl and that pearl for me, when I really learned that tribal ego circuitry has this I for we energy. I go on behalf of us. I'm leading on behalf of the tribe. 54, we've got that eaching of the marrying maiden She is putting herself in a potentially uncomfortable situation to bring herself to a higher level and ascension. But also there's this energy of, as I go, I'm going to be bringing people with me and what I learn, what resources I attain, I'm bringing that back to the tribe. As soon as I was able to connect with that again, it was like, yeah, I'm ascending and my goals and ambitions are not me being greedy. It's genuinely that if I have these resources and if I have money, I'm able to actually make a difference. And I think that in our country right now, we're really seeing the impact of having money and having money from greedy intentions and what that does to hierarchy in general. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I totally resonate with that. I had to go through that process too, Mm -hmm. of like being driven by all that to also see that that wasn't bringing me what I thought it was going to bring me and that it had to be driven from a place of not just for my own personal gain, because otherwise I think that's where I can just be driven by dissatisfaction by like, okay, well, And it's never enough. And that doesn't feel good either. When it is about how do I create change? How do I use this power that I have and this desire that I have to create change? How do I use that in a way that is going to be supportive of the whole? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
I think there's also just something to just mention that because you, I'm just seeing that with your defined root center and with 53 also being that pairing partner to 54, it's about getting things started and getting things off the ground and desire, action, leadership, power, all of these things in your chart coming together. Your energy is driven to make change no matter what. When you are in that shadow of, or that fear of greed, you're like, I'm so afraid of being greedy, that repressive shadow of 54, where you're being unambitious, you're holding back all of your energy. And eventually that's going to physically affect you. You know, it's going to affect the people around you, a whole bunch of things. For me, a lot of the work that I've done around the ego center specifically has been taking away the judgment that I have towards having desires and almost putting, I think this works really well with that innocence motivation of there's something that is, especially in the spiritual community, really praised about people who are just fully grateful and fully receptive and are kind of detached from that physical plane. For a while, I think that I was looking at that as better than somebody who wants things and somebody who has strong desires and also a strong desire to build wealth and to build a company that has a big impact and allows people to genuinely change the world. So learning that my desires are not a bad thing and learning to really just be less judgmental around them was really powerful for me. Yeah. The gift is found in between the repressive and the reactive nature of the shadow. It's like actually right there in the middle that we actually find this gift. We often go from one pole to the other. It's like, I have to totally shut this down and I can just be super spiritual and be above the 3D plane, or I can be super absorbed in the 3D plane and be all about just accumulating all of these things. But neither one of those is actually the gift frequency. They're actually just two poles of the shadow. The gift is actually found between those. How do we bring this together? And that's where I really feel like we're able to ground these higher frequencies here in the 3D plane. And we have to be a part of it. We have to work with these things, but bring it from a higher frequency. Yeah. It's like just interacting with the physical plane with the intention and from the perspective of a higher frequency. Yeah. Absolutely. The only way we can really do that is by healing our own shadows. So going within our own darkness, that's Mm -hmm. the only way is that us doing this individually and that's, what's going to create the change. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who may judge the shadow as the shadow is bad. That's saying that you're in a bad frequency. What I've found is that you cannot create the gift without the shadow. It's every time that I stop avoiding it. It's almost like, no, I'm not experiencing that. I can't be in the shadow again because I don't want to be in the shadow again. The work is really, if you're able to accept and face and sit with, I'm feeling this greed. I'm feeling this ambition. I'm feeling this like wanting this really, really heavy wanting. And then also feeling this energy of like, I don't know if I want it bad enough to do anything about it. (laughs) It's through balancing both of those, just using the perspective of both. And I can accept that I am somebody who wants more and more. And I can accept that I am somebody who has big desires and I can accept that I am someone who values integrity and values getting those desires in a way that is 
beneficial for not just me, but for the people around me. And I am not willing to let my greed and let my big desires harm other people in the process. So it's this both and of I can want things and I have the restraint and I have the strength to get there in a way that's going to be beneficial for everyone and harmonious. And that's that synergy that you're talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I like to put the word divine in front of each of the shadows, like Ooh. divine greed. Yeah. Because the greed is actually such a divine gift. Again, when I tried to repress it, it was that's the shadow. That's yeah. still the shadow. Like yeah. unambitious, <laughs> that shutting that down, that's the shadow. I can't get to that aspiration without it. My greed is what has led me to what I know about the gene keys. It's because I've been so greedy for more that I now am at a place where I know what I know, but it wouldn't have been without that greed, but it was like coming from a higher place, aspiring to something more than just accumulating on the physical plane. And again, that's not wrong, but let it come from a higher place. I think it's also this week, I'm sitting in this energy of the 58 which is my Mercury and the 58. That's the only gene key that the repressive nature, the shadow actually can't be repressed. There's no repressive nature and the shadow is dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. There's no way that we can repress dissatisfaction. This is part of our evolutionary story. It's what drives us to literally grow and evolve and create the world that we've created because we can't actually shut this down. If we repress it, that's actually death. So mm -hmm. it's naturally within us to have this seeking energy, to have this energy that drives us to want to create more, to create this world that we've created through this dissatisfaction, this divine dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. We have perfected the world. Yeah. We've then reached for the 18. We've created the integrity. We've created the perfection through this divine dissatisfaction. I just think that's to trust that this evolutionary urge that you have within you that's driving you is actually safe. It's actually part of our spiritual journey as human beings. Yeah. I had a similar conversation about the energy of longing on one of the episodes that I just recorded for this, but it's part of the divine feminine to want more. When we repress that dissatisfaction, I've been able to experience that wanting more is not a bad thing. And it does not mean that you are ungrateful for what you have. You can have dissatisfaction and gratitude simultaneously. You can hold both of them. And when you are holding both of them, you're in this energy of being appreciative of what you have. And then also you're holding space for more. That's the divine dissatisfaction. Like you're saying, we're always going to be dissatisfied with something. There's always something that can be improved as someone with the 1858. <laughs> I see that there's always things that can be corrected, but there's, again, it's that balance. It's between both of the shadows of being able to see what can be corrected and also having this gratitude for what currently is and understanding the perfection of what is, but yeah, that divine dissatisfaction is such an evolutionary and like crucial evolutionary part of our humanity because it's in the divine feminine to want more. It's in the divine feminine to and enjoy what you have and then also have this longing for something else to come into the world. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And we have to find that again, those two poles from the divine feminine and the divine masculine, it's actually through the middle point, through that midpoint, that this evolutionary change is really going to emerge into the world. So yeah, I think that's what I see in the world it, through my power view is really creating that vitality within each one of us to trust this evolutionary urge that we have flowing through us to create this change because each one of us is a piece of this divine puzzle that's going to bring these gifts that are needed in this time of change and an anchor heaven on earth to really bring it to this 3D plane. We have to be okay with our desires. We have to get involved in the world of money, even though one day I see that we'll transcend it, that there will be a day that's beyond that. But now that we're here, how do we, like you said, see what could be improved on and perfected and also work with what we have now, really be with what we have now and how we can share the resources already now anchor that change. Yeah, absolutely. In the spirit of anchoring, I would love to, I got a little off track, but I have a couple of questions still about your motivation, this desire motivation. As a very physical person, I think it's my emotional authority and that combination of having 46, you also have 46. I'm curious if you're like this as well, but I'm curious, what are the sensations and what are the feelings that you feel when you're in the energy of desire? And when you're in the energy of innocence, get into that energy if you can, and then just share, what does that feel like? Mm -hmm. Well, I think with desire being part of the Ajna binary, it is a lot of times about an outer authority and feeling that like it wanting to be externalized and having that versus the innocence, it can feel emotional. It can be in my feelings, feeling that what it feels like being in that energy of, okay, there's something to be voiced, something to be externalized, something to be an outer authority around, to be a leader around versus like, when am I in my feelings? When am I getting in those emotions? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's a very sacral authority response as well, but it also makes sense with that Ajna binary, that piece of information just wasn't even popping up in my awareness. So thank you for that. It's a very sacral response because for me as an emotional authority, I can usually tell this is where I feel this emotion. <laughs> It's under my mm. left collarbone versus, oh, this one's like behind my head. And I was curious if that was gate 46 or if it's more emotional center. I'm thinking that it's probably more emotional center, or it could be related to the Ajna binary since that's more logical and that's the mental perspective. So it's more about being able to mentally conceptualize. Do you see the desire versus do you see the innocence? Yeah. And I think a yeah. lot of times I do feel it literally comes in. This yeah. Area. It's like around your head. You know what I mean? I can feel it being like when the pieces seem to come together, when I see that thing and then it's like, da, 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 I actually feel it in my Ajna, in my head yeah. center this region. <laughs> I can feel it like the pieces kind of coming together. And maybe that's also, I'm a reflector mind, reflector body. So I feel like sometimes that channel that connects my head and my Ajna, the 6124, sometimes it really feels like all of a sudden it's like 
this dropping in of this realization. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I see it. Okay, now I'm motivated. Otherwise it just feels foggy. It feels mm-hmm. like I can't really see it. There's not really any clarity. I'm not really certain. Yeah, mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. With my defined Ajna, I feel things around my head too. In it versus almost like a screen externally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, where is that organized in my dashboard? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, like you can be like, okay, let me pull those files. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on. It's in a folder here somewhere. <laughs> I joke with my team a lot because we use Google Drive to organize everything. But my Google Drive is organized in my defined Ajna perspective. And I have five activations in the 1762. For me, it makes complete sense. And that's pretty much how I think there's this folder. And as things get overwhelming, we organize it into more folders. And then as we stop using that folder, we can move it into like a timeline of like, that's from two years ago. We're not there anymore. And my team gets so lost sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, how does that not make sense to you? Do you not see it? But what I've noticed recently is With that being kind of how my brain works, sometimes if I'm having a conversation with somebody, I found that deep dive conversations are a lot easier because it's like I can go to that folder and fully open it up versus texting back and forth is sometimes really challenging for me because it's like, okay, wait, where is that folder? I have to trace back my thoughts to figure out what we were talking about, what was going on, what my thoughts even were on that topic. I'm sure that you might experience this as well, but especially being in a CEO position and running your own company, decision fatigue is a really big thing because you have to make all of these decisions and people are asking you questions. And I'm curious if that's different for you with your defined head, since my head center is undefined and I'm an emotional authority. I guess my question is, do you also experience decision fatigue? (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like maybe because I naturally like the pressure to find the answers, it's just natural. I'm not amplifying it. I'll see how my open head people around me will all of a sudden just get caught in searching for it and like that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. For me, it has to be something that gets my focus because I'm also an active brain focused mind. I focus in on things. So if it doesn't get my focus, then I don't really necessarily see, it's just missing my view, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Are you receptive mind? Yes. Everything is, I have the exact opposite variables as you. Everything is right except for my bottom right arrow is left. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that receptivity, that passiveness, that observer, yeah. It makes yeah, a lot of sense for me. it to be kind of drawn out in a way, you know, where yeah. for me, if I'm focused on it, it's like kind of like, blah, 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 blah. I can pull the files really easily. Yeah. But yeah. if it hasn't got my focus, I'm like, uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why too, sometimes going back to things, I'm like, that was in there before. <laughs> what? I totally missed that because I was focused on something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. TV shows. I, I don't know if you've watched those videos where it's like, you're focusing on something. It's like, count these and you're trying to count it. And it's like, okay, but did you see the guy in the gorilla costume that went across the screen? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I always miss those, but there's certain types of brains that usually catch them. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense that 
decisions for me and conceptualizing things as a passive and that passive and I'm not remembering the other one for some reason. Strategic and receptive. Yeah. Receptive. Example right here of you being able to go back and access that exact piece of information and being like, I don't know, I know the energy of it and I can describe it, but I cannot tell you exactly what it is. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense for decisions where if you haven't focused on it, if you haven't asked the questions yourself with your defined head center, you don't know. And then that's something that then you can respond to versus me where my outer authority, a lot of that really does need to be pulled out of me. I would eventually get to those questions, but a lot of times I feel like my team asks me questions before I ask them to myself. I think there might've been a little bit of guilt around, oh, I should have thought of that ahead of time. But now I'm really seeing that, no, it's really just that type of expertise and those type of questions and my sense of judgment and all of those things that does need to be pulled out of me. I think the guilt can be let go. Yeah. And feeling those emotions because you have to feel that to get that clarity and be pulled out of you. For me, it's more like, okay, what am I responding to? Do I have the focus Because sometimes my focus won't be on something and I'll totally miss it. That's where it can be helpful for other people to be like, oh, okay, hey, did you think about this? Did you see this? You didn't see ahead in this area Mm -hmm. because I'm just focused on whatever it is that I'm focused on. I love that. Is there anything else that you want to say or feel like you didn't get to say around the desire and innocence binary that you experience with motivation? I think it's, again, with that third line, just being okay with trying things out, the trial and error with it being like, okay, I might take action on this thing, might create change, but it may not actually turn out the way that I had expected or thought it was going to. And just like really trusting that when it's coming from that true place of a desire to create change, to bring equality. I see it like it's desiring to to spread the resources, to bring it to the material plane. When I'm driven in that way, trusting that whatever the outcome is, is going to be for me, is going to lead me in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my shadows is 32, which is failure. A lot of times I can get stuck in that too, thinking that It needs to be perfect that I can't make those gradual steps towards change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the third line is there's going to be a few steps forward, a few steps back and trusting in that process, even as a six line that even beneath my six line is actually a third line is this third line color. Mm -hmm. And so there's deeply, even while being on the roof, being okay with still being in part of this third line process. Oh yeah. And I actually see your two line there as well. I've been going into the roll gate. So just really studying how the profile show up in the different circuitry, because most of what we know around the profiles is only like gate 10 keynotes, or it's primarily gate 10 keynotes. And that's individual centering circuitry, but there's actually a slightly different application or role or angle and dimension to the profiles in all of the different sub circuits. I've been reading a lot about that. And so what's coming up for me, and I can't remember if it's 27 or 59, but it's one of the tribal roles where the two lines, essentially it's like a bonding theme or an intimacy theme is this advanced retreat. 
advanced retreat, advanced retreat, because that two lining, again, we've got like the hermity walls. We have that protective energy. We're very protective of us. And then every once in a while, we're ready to jump out of our hermit zone and go way outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes we'll realize like, oh, okay. I jumped in a little bit too hard, a little bit too fast, a little bit too deep. And then we retreat a little bit. I've been really just allowing myself to retreat when I need to retreat and step away from a project if I need to step away from it. And then trusting that when that excitement comes again, and when I'm ready to step back out, I'll be ready to advance. So yeah, that's also a two line. I think for me, that's where I have to be called out as a leader, that two line in me, it needs to be recognized. I also have a two line pearl where I need to be recognized. I need this recognition. I need to be called out. My second line talents need to be seen and recognized before I can then step out of that hermit shell, come out and then take that action. And then it's like, okay, now let me retreat. Let me bring this energy back. And then until I'm called out again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with that trajectory of leadership, that just makes me think of the 731 channel and how true leadership is a projected trait. It's something that needs to be recognized. It's something that needs to be called out. And we can learn so much about leadership from the 732 channel or 731. And I'm sure you've gone into both of the gene keys really deep there too. It's an act of service and it is about putting the needs of the whole over the needs of yourself. Leadership is logical. It's proven over time and it's invited. It needs that recognition and your skills need that recognition and the time to master leadership before it's really going to be the pinnacle of effectiveness, essentially. But yeah, leadership is an invited experience. Yeah. True leadership is first recognized (laughs) by the people who it's chosen to actually lead. The seventh gift of guidance is really about leading people to lead themselves, leading them back to their own inner guidance, their own inner authority, which is what we were talking about before, bringing your own power back to yourself. Ultimately, that's what I see that leader trajectory you know, or the leader or the follower, either way, it's about that self-empowerment, bringing back your own power uh, Mm -hmm. to create change in your own unique way with your own unique gifts. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the six line perspective we need very six line life work of both of us. I feel like I've done my best job and I have succeeded with clients when they say, Hey, I want to stop working together. I feel like I want to just self-lead and see where I go because I just trust myself so deeply. I don't even feel like I need your help anymore. That's the most satisfying thing to experience. And it's one of the most beautiful things to witness because that is true empowerment. I could get into a whole thing about ego coaching and client results. I could get into a whole thing. Oh my Something gosh, I, I could do right now. Power <laughs> dynamics, I could too. Power <laughs> dynamics, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But yeah, we need change and we need that six line perspective where the primary goal is to give people the tools of self-empowerment so that they can confidently lead themselves on this journey because we're all on a journey of self-improvement and we all, I genuinely believe that I will probably die on this hill 
if you can trust yourself, you can navigate literally anything that life throws at you because you at least know what to come back to, how to center yourself when you're feeling uncertain, what voices to listen to, what conversations and nudges to listen to in order to find the people or the resources or whatever it is that you need to overcome whatever it is you're facing. That comes from actual empowerment. And I'm so grateful that there are people like you out there doing this as well, along with me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're all needed through doing this work in our own way. And it starts with us individually. I'm grateful for role models like you, Eden, who gave me permission to trust myself, to really trust in my own inner authority and my own inner guidance so grateful for you in so many ways. Thank you. I am so deeply grateful for you as well. I've been in a whole deep gratitude thing lately of just really recognizing that I have attracted such an incredible support system and such an amazing network. And now I'm about to get emotional too. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, over the past couple of years, I feel like I've been so focused on, and for a long time, I was really stressed with the amount of work that I was pressuring myself to do. And so it took me a while to lift my head up and see just the unconditional love and support that I've been able to connect with through this work. It's brought me beautiful, beautiful friendships that I am just in awe, mind-blowingly grateful for right now. And you are one of those. So thank you for being in my world. Yeah. That's the higher frequency of your 3740. Moving from that exhaustion to really being able to attract the community, the tribe that's going to support you to also be able to take time away for yourself and be in your own process. What a beautiful example of that. Thank you. Where on the internet can listeners come find you and hang out with you and get into all of the magic that you are sharing with the world? Yeah. So the, the place I hang out the most is on my podcast, the uplifting podcast, as well as on Instagram. You can find me at I am Randy Lee on Instagram. I also have a free community on Mighty Networks, which is kind of a space outside of social media, which I'm really digging these days to get rid of the scrolling. So you can come there and I have a bunch of free courses on human design and the gene keys inside of that community. I post a ton of resources in there every week. I would love to connect with you. And if you guys go stalk her podcast, you can scroll back like three years and listen to <laughs> our first episode together to see the full. Yeah, I need evolution. to go and actually look at the exact date, Eden, and then I'm going to message you because I think it was like three years ago. <laughs> I think my it podcast was. is over three years old now. And yeah, we're almost at 200 episodes now. Ooh, that's so exciting. We completely rebranded to now be just focused on what I call cosmic conversations, Mm -hmm. which is like human design, gene keys, astrology, the Akashic records. So yeah, come join us over there. It'll be so fun. Thank you everyone for listening. And thank you, Randy, for having this amazing conversation with you. If you're listening, I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of The Motivation Movement. If you are currently buzzing with inspiration and craving more depth, more support, more examples, and even more conversations similar to this, the Sacred Success Business Academy is the perfect place for you. This is a 12-month high-level embodiment experience designed to help you step into the next era of business as an aligned CEO and leader of your team. There's a certain group of people right now who are being called for 
forward to be leaders in their chosen field. But creating the kind of widespread change that the world currently needs can feel overwhelming if you feel like you're in it alone. If you know that your mission is bigger than you, then it's time to release self-doubt, it's time to break down your walls, and it's time to call in the soulful support that your business is craving. This will allow you to amplify your impact and get this work out into the world where it's designed to be. If you're ready to dedicate a full year to creating alignment in your business, I encourage you to check out the Sacred Success Business Academy and then listen to the Aligned Decision-Making Podcast episode to tune into your inner authority and see if this embodiment experience is correct for you.